Welcome to another episode of A Problem at 10, a Zambian constitutional podcast. This week's podcast is all about parliamentary oversight. Now, Clause 13 of the Constitution of Zambia Amendment Bill is trying to delete the current parliamentary oversight that the legislative organ or the National Assembly has over the executive when it comes to the issue of public debt. So the government cannot contract any public debt without approval from the National Assembly. But the amendment is proposing that this be changed. So that is what we'll be looking at in this episode. So we'll start off by looking at obviously what parliamentary oversight is so that people have a clear understanding. So without further ado, let's get right into the business. Welcome to another episode of A Problem at 10, a Zambian constitutional podcast. I'm your host as usual, George Gentam Kwamalipilo. Now, if you have seen my uh, Twitter feed of late and been through my timeline, I did post a clip relating to what this podcast will be about. And we'll be talking about Clause 13 of the Constitutional Amendment Bill Number 10 of 2019. But before we look at the nitty-gritties of that particular clause and what it entails, I talked about the fact that we'll have to look at what parliamentary oversight means in a democracy because Clause 13 and the whole aspect of parliamentary oversight are interlinked. So without further ado and wasting much of people's time, let us uh, start off with what parliamentary oversight is. Now, as you can note the term oversight, you're overseeing something that uh, is basically happening. So in a nutshell, parliamentary oversight is a constitutional mandate that is granted to the legislature to oversee the executive when it's performing its mandated function. Now, in certain democratic countries, parliamentary oversight is fully given to parliament and they ask parliament to therefore come up with the mechanisms of how they are to oversee the workings of the executive. Countries like South Africa, a good uh, constitutional democracy. I love their constitution. To the latter. To the T. To the Very nice. Section 55 of their constitution states, in exercising its legislative power, the National Assembly may consider, may pass, amend, or reject any legislation before the Assembly and initiate or prepare legislation except money bills. I think this is a provision I want to cite. Article 55.2. The National Assembly may provide for mechanisms to ensure that all executive organs of state in the national sphere of the government are accountable to it. Clear. The National Assembly holds the executive accountable. So they oversee how the executive is working and they provide the mechanisms. So if the National Assembly of South Africa says the executive will give us a report of how much they are spending every year. On the 25th of December, they will come to our offices. You will go and tell them because they have initiated a mechanism of how to hold you accountable. In other democratic countries like Zambia, parliamentary oversight is clearly stated. So the constitution states that the legislature shall be given this specific mandate to oversee parliament by doing this, this, this. If you look at Article 63, 2D, and I quote, the National Assembly shall oversee the performance of executive functions by approving public debt before it is contracted. So meaning, 
Parliament has oversight over how the government is borrowing money every time they have to ask. So therefore, you're now seeing that parliamentary oversight is basically a constitutional mandate granted to the legislature. This is done because in a democratic country, you have the principle of separation of power. Separation of power means each and every organ is functioning. But because each and every organ is functioning and performing their functions, there is no one else to look out for the other or oversee what the other is doing to ensure they act within the parameters of the law. Because in a constitutional democracy, constitutionalism is a cardinal centerpiece of any nation. Every organ must act within the parameters of the law and must not act based on free will or ideologies of a man, ideas or thoughts. You just wake up today and say, you know what, I want to borrow 12 billion. We're about to blow some money. We'll go, go clubbing in Chicago with Brav. Let's just go and get some money from Parliament. No. We want to ensure that whatever you do, you're doing it for the benefit of the people. So we must place someone to oversee you. So in a nutshell, I'm not trying to be too technical. Parliamentary oversight allows the legislature to oversee the government in how it's performing its functions. One way it does so is to ensure for public financial management accountability. It means that the government accruing monies or accruing debt or borrowing money must do so in a manner that is within the aspects of constitutional democracy. That the government cannot just get money anyhow. They must do so with permission of parliament. If you read the Zambian constitution, you will see that the functions of the executive are tailored to reflect the oversight parliament has over them. If you refer to article 114 of the Zambian constitution, you will note that the constitution does give the National Assembly power again in this aspect. They say the executive may perform a function, but that function is subject to approval. So, Article 114.1d says, The function of cabinet are as follows. Recommend, no, this is for the signing. E, sorry. Recommend for approval of the National Assembly loans to be contracted by the state. Clear sign again that the executive will carry out a function, but this function shall be carried out by approval. Constitutionalism, limiting the powers of the executive not to borrow anyhow, but to borrow with accountability, transparency, effectiveness. These are principles of public finance management, which our constitution also clearly outlines. So you're now seeing that the executive here is being told, you have the right to borrow money, but there are other people that will oversee how that is done, which is the people because the people gave themselves this particular constitution and they want to limit your power so that you don't abuse them. Now, if you move over to I'm trying to find that specific provision, part X, is it part 16? I don't know. Yeah, part 16 of the constitution, which says public finance and budget. Article 198 talks about the principles of the guideline of public finance. 
It talks about the transparency and accountability in the development or formulation of microeconomic frameworks, socioeconomic plans, and the budget. Promotion of a public finance system that ensures that the burden of taxes is shared fairly. Revenue raised nationally shared equitably among the different levels of the government. And expenditure promotes the equitable development of the country. Sustainable public borrowing to ensure intergenerational equity and prudent and responsible use of public resources. So Article 198, Clause A. To D, those are the ones I was talking about. So you're seeing the principles of public finance management, oversight, accountability, effectiveness, efficiency, and transparency, all important. And all these have to be seen. And these are seen through the oversight that parliament has over the executive. Accountability, before you borrow, Come to us. We approve the debt. Effectiveness. Why are you borrowing this particular type of money? It is for the benefit of the people who use it for that particular benefit. Efficiency. The fact that you must use the resources that are there and be held accountable, prudent, and responsible use of public resources. Aspect of transparency. You are open, you are informing us, the people, about what you are doing with the money that you are asking for. So therefore, you are now seeing parliamentary oversight playing a role. If you look at Article 207 of the Constitution, under the borrowing and lending by government, Article 2071 says the government may as prescribed raise a loan or a grant on behalf of itself, a state organ, state institution, or other institutions. So the government may raise money through loans for itself or for other government organizations and institutions. Article 2072 states, legislation enacted under Clause 1 shall provide for the category, nature, and other terms and conditions of a loan, grant, or guarantee that will require the approval by the National Assembly before the loan, grant, or guarantee is executed. We are seeing functions of the executive popping up relating to borrowing and lending of money, but these functions cannot be fulfilled without parliamentary approval. So even with this one for the government creating, not creating, sorry, even with this, the government is allowed to raise a loan but that loan cannot be raised without approval from parliament. Even if they have legislation on how these loans will be carried out, the legislation must clearly state the conditions of how you get the loan requiring approval from the National Assembly. So in short, parliamentary oversight is just the government being monitored in how they carry out the public management finance. For me, I even wonder why we call it parliamentary oversight because it's a the job of the National Assembly. So why not just call it the National Assembly oversight? I don't know. That's what people talk. Well, that's what people say. However, there's one lesson I want you to note. Did you see how I kept on citing similar provisions? I started with Article 
68, went to Article 114, went to Article 198, went to Article 207. All these are different provisions in the Constitution, but not the similarities they have. So when you read constitutions in the near future, for those of you that uh, would want to learn the law, always remember that one article does not stand on its own. There may be similar articles within the constitution that must be read as one. So read all the relevant articles together to get a more credible understanding of the constitution. That's what the Constitutional Court has said in a, in a whole array of cases. Yes. Now, when we get back, we'll be delving straight into Clause 13 of the Constitution. And because of Clause 13, there are other amendments that have been made on the backdrop of that. So even though I say Clause 13, we'll also be looking at other clauses that have now been amended as a result of clause third as a result of the suggestion of amending clause 13. I hope people have understood what parliamentary oversight is and now are able to express themselves when someone talks about oh parliamentary oversight and I'm really sorry for the long um, explanation but I thought it was needed. So when we get back we'll be looking at the nitty gritties of Constitutional Amendment Bill number 10 of 2019. Clause 13 of the Constitutional Amendment Bill number 10 of 2019 seeks to amend and delete Article 63 2D of the Constitution of Zambia, Amendment number 16 of Amendment number 2 of 2016. The trickle-down effect is Article 1141E as a result is also being amended. Now, I talked about parliamentary oversight, the aspect of public finance management, and the fact that accountability, transparency, effectiveness, efficiency and accountability are all an important aspect of the parliamentary oversight function of the National Assembly. Now with this amendment, the problem that we now have will be the National Assembly will no longer oversee the government with the contraction of debt. The approval will no longer be by the National Assembly. Clause 36 talks about amending Article 114, Paragraph E, which talked about recommending to the National Assembly loans that are contracted by the state. So here, they're replacing the cabinet to approve loans to be contracted by the state, which doesn't make sense because you are taking the executive higher and giving it more function, and you're throwing away the legislature, say, oh, we've taken your power, just go make laws, continue. Which doesn't make art proper sense at all.
If you look at other democracies such as South Africa, Kenya, we haven't even started the Kenyan constitution today. These provisions are put in the constitution for a purpose. A good government system. Good governance. Here, I don't know what our government wants. They want more power to borrow. But who will be transparent to tell us what they are doing? Who will be held accountable? Public finance management principles were put there for a reason because the constitution should always be read as one single document. And if you read the current constitution as a single document relating to parliamentary oversight, you understand that the National Assembly just is overseeing how the executive is working when it comes to borrowing. But if you say cabinet will approve loans for the state, the state and the cabinet, and they're, in, they're in the same league. In fact, the state and the cabinet, government institutions, okay, government, you look at how you have government institutions that will be going to cabinet where you have ministers or ministerial departments going to cabinet where you have ministers. The president is the head of state. There are other state institutions that will go and ask for a loan. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. There will be so much conflict of interest. And I don't know why we are changing it because there was no lacuna here. There's no lacuna here. It goes also against the tenets of democracy, of good governance. We the people need to scrutinize the government. Because what parliament is doing is on our behalf. Parliament are deriving power from us to scrutinize the people we've elected to carry out our policies. If we do not monitor the people who we've elected to carry out our policies, who will? Who will hold them accountable? Who will ensure that there is effectiveness and transparency? Who will ensure that there is equal distribution of this particular wealth or these particular resources that they are getting and that they are not squandering it? It's, a, it's really a, a strange predicament of the executive amending the constitution and stripping a constitutional power given to one organ and giving it to itself. Moreover, Article 207 is still intact. I've gone through the whole constitution and, and I do not know how many times I've gone through it. Article 207 contradicts Article 114E or the proposed Article 114E because under Article 207, the government still has to seek approval from the legislature. It says the government may have prescribed, raise a loan or a grant on behalf of itself, a state organ, state institution, or other institution, grant a loan on behalf of a state organ, state institution, or other institution. 2072. Legislation enacted under Clause 1 shall provide for the category, nature, and other terms and conditions of a loan granted or a guarantee that will require the approval by the National Assembly before the loan, grant, 
all the guarantees executed. Clear, straightforward. But yet the government is now saying they will approve the loan and the National Assembly no longer will be approving it. Contradiction here. And you have more lacunas and you have to amend the constitution again. This is a problem at 10. The fact that the constitutional amendment bill number 10 of 2019 will cause more confusion if it's allowed to go through. It limits the powers and weakens the powers of the National Assembly when it comes to the aspect of oversight concerning public service management or public financial accountability on the part of the executive. Three, we are allowing the executive to steal parliamentary constitutional mandate. Plain and simple. And we're watching it happen. And parliament is just sitting there. This is not progressive. This are things you don't even say are progressive, but people are saying it's a progressive bill. It's progressive. There's nothing progressive about the fact that the executive wants to get power given to the National Assembly by us, the people, to hold them accountable on our behalf. The National Assembly should be up in arms right now. Yes, they have stated to weaken the power. That's what the response I was expecting. If I was part of a committee, I would say, no, no, I'll write this particular provision and say the executive should mind its own business and stick to the functions given to it by the Constitution and not suggest bills that tend to take away power given to us by the people. We the people, even the Constitution says we the people give to ourselves this Constitution and create institutions that will promote democratic governance. But here we are. It begs the question that most people vote along party lines rather than think about their constituencies and hence our parliament is a rubber stamp. Basically, if you don't know what a rubber stamp is, you're basically just accepting whatever comes to parliament without questioning it. I mean, there has been that argument that our National Assembly has been a rubber stamp since 1964, especially in the 1972 eras. People should read about constitutional law history. It's, it's, quite, it's quite informative. But back to the problem at 10, the fact that the executive wants to get power solely given to the legislature, a constitutional mandate of cardinal importance, one, two, the lacuna that will be there. One provision is saying National Assembly needs to sign off or needs to approve. The other is saying this has been amended. We no longer require the National Assembly to approve loans, but it will be the cabinet. Doesn't make sense. And three, the whole structure when read together will not have a constitutional understanding or the meaning will be distorted. Public finance management goes together with parliamentary oversight. And it will also affect the legislation. If you change the legislation because you've amended it, then it turns out that 
In fact, parliament still are the ones who need to seek approval or you need to seek approval from parliament before you make a loan. You have to change the laws again. You have to come, no, we're amending the constitution, there are more lacunas. The whole process here was just to change those provisions that we noted from the beginning after the constitution was amended that there's a problem. This was not one of them. This is fine. It's a progressive law that was enacted for the first time. If you look at the old, if you look at the amendment of 1996, there was no such progression. We're now going back. Very, very disappointing indeed. That such a provision could be recommended that no one at the National Dialogue Forum thought of saying, is this a right provision that we should put in? Why not just leave it the way it is? No one still noted that Article 207 has not been amended and it causes a problem. Now, I've gone through the whole Constitutional Amendment Bill Number 10 of 2019 and there is nothing relating to Article 207 of the Constitution Number 2 of 2016, meaning it stays in the Constitution if you haven't put it in the Amendment Bill. So, I guess we may have to just be realistic and say this bill is not progressive at all. It's sloppy in how certain provisions are being put in. It does not represent a classic, good constitutional democracy. If you have the executive coming directly to the legislature and telling them we want your power and we're going to get it and we're going to amend it and you're going to help us. And the legislature just there like, okay, there we go. So, So therefore, you tend to wonder how these provisions were put in. In ending, I would advise to say, I think more scrutiny should have been done. Even by the parliamentary committee, they should have noted these small provisions and they should have written a well-rounded argument. I mean, on this aspect, they should have just gone full-blown anger mode and say this is unacceptable we can't have this why are they asking us to give up our power rather than just say it weaken the powers of the legislature you are the legislature <clears throat> sorry you're the legislature why are you saying it weaken the power of the legislature aren't you a member of parliament go hard on them and say we, we won't stand for this we gave you the right to represent us and the power that you have you derive from us represent us don't start saying it weakens the powers of the legislature. Who is the legislature? I mean, the government also. Why are you asking parliament to give up its own power? Can we allow a democratic, good governance, democratic constitution to flow? Let's not change goalposts every after three or four months. No, let's not do that. The next people that will come in, they also want to change the constitution. The next people that will come in, Kenya's constitution was enacted in 2010. This is 2019. I've never had any problems because they did it through a proper means. They had their law reform commission go out, get recommendations. Then they came and 
drafted a well-rounded constitution. Simple. We are now here struggling with this Bill 10, which people are calling progressive. Let's stop this joke of calling things pro progressive. It's not progressive when you have an institution asking the law-making institution to amend its own law and remove its own power and give the executive power. And in doing so, it causes a lot of lacunas, meaning we're going back in circles to the same problem of why we amended and we'll have to amend again. And does it therefore, does it therefore show that we are intent on having a constitution that will stand the test of time? Why not? We're just trying to make piecemeals because we feel it's the right thing to do, which is wrong. So, this is where we end. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Until next time, bye.